Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I can't help but relate it to the Old Testament and thinking somehow the water's parted. We've got a golden ticket only to wind up wandering in a desert. You're told that there's a promised land and that it's coming. But when? You gotta look at the, the child who's involved. And I think that that is lacking. Take a chance on him. Please, take a chance on him. And if I have to beg, I will. We're gonna get there whether with, with their help or not, we're going to get there, okay? This is how our relationship is. She's crying right now. I have to be stoic, and then later on it'll flip. I'm going to be bawling later tonight. And then I'll have, like, this totally resounding fine. faith. She's going to be like, oh, you're, we're totally fine. We're good. <laughs> we're going to keep going, guys. It's good. Pick yourself up. We don't take no for an answer, right? Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Crillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. So this week, we launched a serial narrative that Lane has been reporting for years. And yes, you heard that right, years. She started working on this story with Times photographer John Pendigraft in the spring of 2016. It involves a dying boy, a desperate mom, and some floppy dogs. You can find the series at tampabay.com. In the weeks ahead on the podcast, Lane and I are going to break down each installment, talk about the choices we made in the reporting, in the writing, in the editing. We hope you enjoy the series and also the deep dive into what we did to bring it to life. On this episode, Lane and John talk about how they came to this story and the challenges involved in reporting for this long and for this deeply. Today's topic, Lincoln shot. All right, so let's start with how you met Maggie and Anthony, how you even came upon this story. Um, we were doing another story. <laughs> we were doing a story about a photographer who um, takes portraits of terminally ill children. And we wanted to talk to some of the families she'd worked with. And so she mentioned that Maggie and Anthony had had a photo shoot with her, with their little son, Lincoln. So we went to their house to meet Lincoln and meet them and basically talk about the photographer. Our first interview was all talking about what the portraits meant to them and how that process went. And then when we were getting ready to leave and they put in, uh, Lincoln back in his bed and, and uh, we were literally like walking out the door and Maggie goes, you know, we have our own story. It might be a better story. Well, I'm not saying it would be a better story, but we have our own story. We're waiting for a miracle. And I was like, oh, tell me more. There you go. So we came back inside and learned about their journey. So when did you decide, uh, did you decide in that moment that that was, yeah, this was a good story? Oh yeah, on the drive home, we were with Lara, uh, I was with Lara Siri at that time, and on the drive home we were like, oh my God, we've got to follow this kid, we've got to do this story. We'd never heard a story like that, you know, like a, a little boy who was doomed to die, who was given a shot at getting this like incredibly 
scientifically advanced cure um, that also might kill him, but it just seemed like an amazing journey that they were on. He was the first boy chosen to be part of this clinical trial, so we were like, oh, we can be in this from the beginning. And then you came back and tried, and you sold it to the editors? Yeah, we came back and I basically said, I've never heard a story like this. I mean, in 30 years of being a newspaper reporter, I look for stories I've never heard of before, you know. And I knew gene therapy existed. I knew it had kind of like not been a thing for a long time. So the fact that it was going to resurface as an option for these people at the same time that their little boy could be part of it, it seemed like a pretty interesting marriage of things happening. So John, when did you get involved? I was in the office and Laura and Lane were sitting at their desk and I walked by and Lane said, hey, you wanna make a documentary about Lincoln? And I'd heard about the story. And I was just like, well, you're Lane Gregory. That's not a question. Is there a question mark at the end of that? Like, yeah. <laughs> so uh, then I came on board. I, they, want, they wanted a document, they asked for a documentary and, and Laura Seri was, was balancing shooting uh, stills and video and it, it was just too much to do well. And so they wanted somebody to come into it. So they, they were, how far in at that point were you guys? Remember? Maybe four or five months. I mean, we met them, but then we didn't go back to really start put digging in on it for about three or four months later. So um, we, we knew kind of right from the beginning we wanted to do a documentary, though, and I knew I wanted John to do it because this family was so amazing about just letting us come along for the ride. We, we had an amazing, unprecedented access, you know, and it was just an emotional journey that, that they let us in on so. so yeah talk a little bit about Maggie and Anthony I mean like yeah it's an, it's an exceptional thing for somebody to let you into their lives but for somebody to let you in to this I mean this situation for as long as they have I mean like I mean what did you talk about at the beginning in terms of the access you were going to need and what was there what were your early impressions of this couple I mean, I think from the beginning we were incredibly impressed with them. It's hard to be with Maggie and Anthony and watch what their day-to-day -day life is like with Lincoln and juggling, trying to work full-time and take care of this kid full-time and deal with nurses and specialists and, and everything else. But they only seem so much older than they are. You know, they're in their 20s, and you forget that because they seem like they're in their 50s, the way they act, the, the gravitas they live their life with. Um, it's just impressive to be in their company and see how much they can deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, not, not just the physical aspect of keeping them alive, but the emotional roller coaster that they're subjected to. You know, and they they live almost 24/7 in this house. You know, they hardly ever leave their house. So when when we go in to stay with them, it's like seriously embedding in their lives. You know. Um, I don't, I don't think we said early on like we want to move in. You know, we didn't. We didn't want like want to scare them away. But we kind of said, if we're going to do this, you need to let us in. You know, and they never pushed back about that. No, they're just why are you knocking? I mean, they, they have they have nursing care and they have things coming in. But beyond that, they are brilliant. You know, dedicated parents. Uh, they're just these amazing people. I mean, I, I don't know how to put in the adjectives together. I mean, you know, you'll you'll hear in the story or maybe if this is an epilogue you've just met them <laughs> but it, they're they're reflexive they're thoughtful about what they're doing and they are so deeply loving and not just to their to Lincoln but to everybody around them they're so accepting um, that they've just said okay come on in don't don't bother knocking you want to sleep over there's the couch that is they're just um. one, one of the great things about being a journalist is you you come across people like that and then in, in ways that uh, inspire your life. I mean, they're, they're just inspirational people. They're just 
they are. They're just great. And, and as a couple, they're so, in, they're so wonderful. Like Maggie's really, really emotional, and Anthony's really, really intellectual. So they have this incredible marriage of personalities that shore each other up, too, and sort of buoy each other through these really hard times. And I think watching their relationship has also been really inspirational. You know? What do you guys think they were getting out of this in terms of opening their lives to you all? I mean, that's an, another layer of, uh, I don't know, chaos, or, I mean, it's another layer of something to worry about. Um, I, I think more than anything, they want the world to know that Lincoln's in there, that Lincoln is a brilliant little boy, a loving, emotionally connected little boy who, people don't see that. You know, when you first see Lincoln, he looks like a little, floppy kid on a pillow, you know, you, he can't move his head, he can't move his eyes, he can't move his arms, he can't really connect in the way a normal kid would connect. But he's so in there, and I think from the beginning that was Maggie and Anthony's goal was like, we want the world to know how brilliant our kid is, and that he deserves a chance to be saved from this body, this broken body that he's trapped in. Um, I do think it's really remarkable the way they've let you just be a part of their lives. I mean, that how unusual has that been? Like, because a lot of times you feel like you're talking people into it. I mean, they're in, and then getting them comfortable with you, they feel like they just kind of let you in from the get-go. I remember from day one when we came over. I, th I think we came over and Laura slept that night. Um, so they were they were um, just yeah. It, it was. I, I remember the early conversations we had. Like, I can't believe you know, this, this story is so powerful and, and that they are so absolutely, kind of wonderfully, and I, I just, I don't know the adjective, soulfully, they're just, they were just welcoming and totally kind. Totally unfiltered and honest about everything yeah. too. I never felt like they were like putting on a face for us. I mean, even literally like Maggie stopped putting makeup on and doing her hair when we would come over, like it wasn't a part of a production anymore. It was just like, Here, here's how we live, here's what we do. You know, and, and they have lots of people in and out of that house from therapists and nurses and stuff. So it's kind of chaotic a lot. And a lot of times we can just sort of like, you know, blend in the background over there. But they've also been amazing about calling us when things are happening. You know, we're about to go take Lincoln to the hospital. Lincoln's in a crisis. We've got, you know, and, and they let us know. So um, that's been really helpful too, because we can actually be along for the hard parts as well as the easier parts. And Maggie's like a prolific Facebooker. So as a journalist following a story for like two and a half years, I look on her Facebook every day and I know what's going on. She's wonderful about her Facebook posts and little videos and stuff, and you, you can really keep up without bothering her too much. So talk a little bit about meeting Lincoln and working, like, you know, Lincoln has grown up in front of you guys. Um, and at the beginning, it must have been a little awkward because he's not, you met him when he's two, right? So he is still sort of breaking through, getting to a point where he can communicate and stuff like that. So what was the relationship like then in terms of like, what did, how much interaction did you have with him? And then how has that changed over time? Well, I had this yardstick that my daughter's about a year older than him and is not a special needs child. But you had these, I would think about what my daughter was doing a year ago as far as like suddenly he would be really understanding. And, and of course, like anybody, we came in and we didn't realize how in there he was in the first couple days we're there. And suddenly he's speaking Hebrew and signing in back responses from a French question. And right. you know, he's just this brilliant kid. Um, and then you realize that he's hitting these milestones that I recognized from not so long ago in my own daughter's life. Um, so absolutely cognitively more so. I mean, um, 
And so that was interesting to watch. And even in editing video, you go back and he was so little. And now he's, he's, a, he's, a, big, yeah. he's a big guy now. Well, you know, kids, I think they develop differently. Like one of my sons was a lot more physical and the other one was a lot more talkative when they were little. And because Lincoln can't move, you know, he's not a two-year-old running around, climbing on things, throwing blocks and stuff. He's, he's stuck there, but he's taking everything in, you know. So, so intellectually, I think he's way far beyond what a lot of two-year-olds would have been. And the way he interacts with adults and responds is much more than other toddlers would have been, right? Because he isn't able to do the physical stuff, but... Right. You know, mentally, it's, he's he signed our names the second time we came. He was he he's kept saying, "Hi, John. Hi, Lane." And he makes a little camera sign for John when John comes. You know, and he makes a little writing sign for me when I come. And so he he let us in too. He got very comfortable mm -hmm. with us really quickly. And uh, John was throwing a football with him last time <laughs> we were there. And he you know he saves little stories to tell us. He has little puppets he wants to show us. Um, so he he really was part of that, like, letting us in, too. And I think that helped Maggie and Anthony, like... Yeah, Lincoln didn't like us. We were, we'd be... Yeah, we'd be out. <laughs> I, 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 you know, what parent wouldn't? Sorry, actually, kid doesn't like you. Have fun. It got a little harder as we went on because Lincoln, he loves John, and now he wants to play with John's camera. And the last time we were there, John couldn't do any filming in because Lincoln kept wanting the monkey to hold the camera and the owl to hold the camera and Lincoln to hold the camera. And it was like, yeah, but that's the good you, stuff. You couldn't be invisible. You know, he wanted to be part of the process now, and that was really kind of fun. Yeah, that, I mean, that takes some, some time, but that, that's fun. That's, I mean, we could, especially with something, you know, if you're, you're, if you're on assignment and you only have an hour, that's kind of like, okay, here we go. But, you know, we're spending so much time that that was, I don't know, that's the good stuff. That's yeah, stuff. just so describe that a little bit because you guys are both uh, immersion kind of people, right? So this, it's not pop by for an hour. It's these are long days, right? When you're there reporting, so yeah, yeah. Talk about that process. What, what's that been like? Yeah, I think most of our visits have been five or six hours in a row, right? We usually go over there and hang out for the long haul. You know, we did some car trips with them up to Gainesville and back. That's a three-hour drive. We've you know spent weekends over there. Um, well, the last one we were there. We were going to be there for Shabbat and some cuddly time, and then they got these phone calls and everything happened. And uh, it's actually, I was using a monopod, but it got too hard because we were moving around you know, in cars and out of cars. So my hand like, was numb for, for a couple hours after I got out of there because I didn't realize I'd be holding a camera for six hours. <laughs> you know, And I'm trying to have a low profile, low footprint, so I'm not taking a lot of stuff. And uh, so... Yeah, we spend long. Uh, you they, know. they let us come in their bedroom. I mean, they're they're lying in yeah. bed, like holding each other, fighting and crying, and, and they were like, "Come on in." You know, it's kind of amazing how they they said, "Oh, you feel like family. You're part of this." So talk about that a little bit. Sort of, it's hard. You can't be very dispassionate in this process. How could you be, right? When you're going through this, um, and yet you were documenting, you're documentarians. You're you're looking at this life and trying to be. A little dispassionate, or what is that? I mean, that that's that's been hard, obviously. It's impossible not to root for Lincoln. I mean, yeah. you we know, like theoretically, we're supposed to be objective here, but it's impossible not to fall in love with that little guy and just hope for the best for him and his parents. Yeah, yeah I, I, love, I love Lincoln. I mean, I, I I can't not love Lincoln. You know, I can you know be like, no, I feel completely neutral about Lincoln. No, no, I feel I, I love I love the hell out of that kid. Which is like you got, which means you guys have been riding the roller coaster too. Yes. For all this time. Oh yeah. I mean, I I feel like sometimes 
Maggie has a therapist. They talk to a rabbi, you know, but I feel like a lot of times when we're there, we kind of serve that role of like listeners, you know, we're not like offering advice or whatever, but she definitely, we're a sounding board, I think, for a lot of her emotional um, ups and downs. And I'm glad if that helps, you know what I mean? Um, sure helps our story, <laughs> but I think in a way it helps Maggie too. A lot of responsibility though. Um, well, we're both parents. You know, so you, you can feel the worry times a million of what, you know, what they're going through. You talk about the challenge of the stories. It was the longest project you've ever worked on, um, right? But uh, what, what does that mean in practical terms, in terms of how tough this has been? Or what, what has surprised you or not surprised you about this process? Two terabytes of video. <laughs> a lot of it wasn't mine. I was, but... Yeah, that was uh, the amount of the amount of material, and and especially in the end, going back and going back to the way they were then. I mean, when you when you've seen that much in somebody's life, they were different people. He was a different kid, and now they're in a very you know by the end they're in a very different place. Um, and especially there were days where I was editing the beginning stuff, which is you know the, the hopes are high and they're upbeat. And we just had this interview with them where they're in a very dark place. And that was actually, it just felt like switching gears in this way that, you know, at the end of the week, it was Saturday, and my wife said, okay, look, you have your own kid at home, you gotta let this go. Because you have, you have to make some, uh, some, some boundaries um, because it's impossible to be in those kind of emotions at the same time, or even just the dark emotions. Um, after going through this process with somebody without it being something that you, you carry. I mean, it's not, you don't have options about feelings. I mean, they, they sort of um, can be non-optional <laughs> on Saturday when you're just trying to spend time with your own kid, you know? Yeah, we, we haven't just watched Lincoln age, we've watched them age, you know, which is, in a way, been almost harder. You know, you want Lincoln to grow up, and and you can see this this boy emerging from this toddler, but Maggie and Anthony are they're so young, and and their life is so difficult, and it's so consumed by this child that they're keeping alive. But as the hope kind of got dangled away further and further, it was like they were running a race, and 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 the finish line kept getting moved, and you could watch them like from month to month, that taking the toll on them, you know. Um, you could you could see them aging under this stress. Lincoln, I can't believe you're here. Ah! You're at the beach for the very first time. You want to see it? You want me to turn you around so you can see it? Okay. Every parent who lives in Florida dreams of taking their kids to the beach for the first time, and the first time they put their toes in the sand or like feel the waves and. They had talked about taking him to the beach for two and a half years, and then finally one day, they, I mean, they called us middle of the afternoon on a Sunday and said, we're gonna do it, we just, we've gotta do it, we gotta take him to the beach. And then, so we were there with them while they were packing up, all, they went to Walmart, spent like hundreds of dollars on little toys at Walmart, because they never bought him anything like that. And then watching him pack him up and try, just all the preparations just to like get him to the beach, you know, whereas, I threw a diaper bag over my shoulder and a kid on my arm and I went to the beach. It was just like, 
to me, that was like the first time they were trying to give him a normal experience, but it was so not normal. It was so hard. But then when they got there, it was still it was so joyous, you know? And, you know, they were thinking at the time, this may be the only time, and to date, that was, that was the day that Lincoln got to go to the beach. And, you know, we do pancakes on the beach on Sunday, like the same thing, you, you know, throw in an extra swimsuit or whatever, and off you go. This is the world we live in. Doesn't mean I have to accept the, the way it is and, and hope for better. Wow. At least that, sl that sliver of me is not dead. I'm glad it's not. It's dead within me. But the good news is that because it's dead within me, then I'm prepared hey, to get I down in something? the mud. Can I tell you something? I love you. I love you. More than life itself, you know that, that's right? The it, it was just so telling that they have been through the very real difficulties and fights, and that come with being a special needs parent under this kind of stress. And then at the end of it, he sees her going down the rabbit hole, and he just stops her, and he he changes the channel to what's important. They 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 both feel it, and it was like it's not their first rodeo. It's the first time that uh, we that captured we saw that it. we saw it. But that's how that's how they roll, and that's beautiful. I mean, that's I, I don't I don't know if you can do that if you haven't been through as much as they've been through together. That they just know how to how to be kind to each other, and that goes to the depths of like there just aren't the adjectives. Like that depth that they have in them comes from being war torn through the processes and, and these times they've been through the kid and how many times they worked through these things. And that was just a moment where it was like, okay, we can stop and we can love. We're smart enough, strong enough, and seasoned enough to just do it, and they did. And it was just—I don't know—I I think that was um, amazing to be in the room for. Well, you know, you always hear about special needs kids breaking up relationships, breaking up families, because it's so hard. Lincoln has cemented them, and then some, and everybody who comes into his world, pretty much. That is—that's it is crazy that they like it. They feel like they've. Well, I mean, we've talked about this. Like, they've, they've really kept Lincoln. Lincoln has done as well as he's done because of these two people and everything that they've poured into him, but also the fact that they have maintained. They, they seem to have grown stronger. Even in the moment like that, you come away feeling like these are people who just, I don't know. I mean, if you really believe in soulmates or people who are destined to be right. together, you know. Or people that have triumphed over, you know what I'm, it's yeah. just, everybody, who has a spouse has arguments with their spouse, you know, and that, I don't know, I'll go on. It was, it was, it was just Not impressive. typically that, that, <laughs> those kind no. of, they've, kind they've of just, debates. They've, they've thought about, about how to put it into practice. And there's other things they put into practice about practicing gratitude in the midst of this and the things that they've, you living know. Living in the moment. Living in the moment and practicing gratitude and things that people say they're gonna do, but until you have this sort of, okay, I have two choices. I can go into a rabbit hole or I can live in the moment and find gratitude. And they do both because they're, you know, it's a struggle, but, but how intentionally they have been able to live their lives and pull themselves up from these hard times over and over and over again is, you know, a testament to both their uh, the fact that they are thoughtful, reflective, deep-thinking people and deeply, deeply emotionally strong people. Like, I think you have to have both. And both people have to have both. And then you have, and they do. That's what's so amazing about and One of the amazing things. The sacrifices that they make, too. Like, without ever any, any indication that it was 
an annoying or hard or awful or why me? You're feeling sorry for themselves. You know that they won't even go out to dinner. You know, even if they have a nurse there and and Maggie's sister there, they won't even like leave Lincoln for ten minutes to go down the road most nights. It's like their whole world is concentrated on keeping this little guy alive. And and for them, it's a joyous endeavor. It's not a a why me. You know, it's. It's scary. They live in like constant terror that something's going to go wrong, and it does a lot, you know. But then they go get an owl puppet or a big stuffed monkey, and they just start playing again and just trying to do the parent thing, you know, to to make Lincoln making Lincoln happy and comfortable is pretty much the only goal of their day, you know. Keeping him alive. Keeping him alive. Keeping him alive. It seems like when they made that commitment, right from the beginning. At least that's how I read the story. That right from the beginning, when they made that commitment that we are going to do this. Like they mentally yeah. went all in and just like have never looked back from that decision. That's exactly right. And I feel like they feel like it's the two of them against the world sometimes. You know, they're really running battle with doctors and insurance and nursing situations and medical supplies and hospitals. You know, they're, they're battling. It's a constant battle, um, them against all these obstacles. Well, sometimes as a, as a journalist, you feel like you're in somebody's life, and of course, when somebody is is there recording your life, you may be kind of putting on your a little bit of your Facebook life for somebody, or, you know, um, but we've been there long enough to where these things that, that we've seen them do like that, and like, and you know, it's it's legit. It's who they are. You know, it's who they are. I saw Matt, Mike Van Sickler downstairs, and we were talking about this. He goes, I can't even wrap my head around what you do with a project of this size. So, like, talk a little bit. I mean, you obviously talked about a lot of video, but okay what this has been like. And like, in the years that you've been reporting this, John's gone away to a fellowship and come back. You've had three editors. I mean, like, what's, what's that process been like, just in terms of the logistics and, the, and making this happen, you know, and, and keeping yourselves going week in and week out on this, on the reporting, not knowing when the end was coming. What was, what's that been like? Well, I, I think just like for Maggie and Anthony, the finish line keeps getting moved. You know, we, we thought the project would last about a year. And, and it's been like two and a half years. So it's been, you know, trying to keep up with them. I mean, I would move in with them and do nothing else if I could. You know, I think part of it was my frustration was like having to be torn away from them to go do other things, you know. Um, but it was a lot of like, you know, when I sit down to do a project, I want to write down what scenes I have. And so many of the scenes were the same because they're all in the living room with Lincoln in his crib and there's either some crisis happening or some moment of joy happening, but it's all the same place. Um, so even though the emotional tenor changes, the scenes don't change that much. Um, so that was like a, a bit of a challenge. And then, you know, there have been so many like, like serious, serious. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Low points for them. I mean, there's a lot of hope, too. There is a lot of hope, but, but there's so many, like fallen off the cliff low points that it was hard to, for me trying to write it it was hard to figure out what amount of gravitas to give each one of those moments you know he almost dies several times during the course of this 
of our reporting. Well, I know that, that we've both talked about this. Um, there is this weight of, I got to do justice to the story. Like this, right. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to tell <laughs> You know, we've, we've had the, I've, we we, have, we've, we've had over, over beers, like, we're not good enough for this story. I mean, like, we have to be, but this, especially when you've just come from this, you know, moment that they've shared or this experience that you have been a part of that is so intimate and so, uh, you know, part of a continuum of this long story arc that you just feel like, I can't fumble this. You know, we owe um, them so much. We owe them. They've given us their we lives owe story. and Lincoln's I, and, life. And yeah. if you do, it's going to be a real life regret. Like you, like, and so, I don't know how you dealt with that. I've just been like, I'll, just, I'll make sure I put in the hours. Like, you know, you, just, you can't, you can't mess the story. No, it's up. daunting. I mean, I write a paragraph and I think that doesn't capture it. You know, like, it's that's not good enough for. How do you explain what they're going through in words? You know, so I'm glad we're doing the documentary too. <laughs> No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> I mean, I think at first, at the beginning, it was um, it was frustrating to me, honestly, because everything that we did, he, they had to be miked and and light lit, and so the, a lot of the more intimate moments where I would just want to like sit on the floor with a notepad weren't going to happen because. There had to be pre-production <laughs> with like, let's put this microphone down your shirt and let's make sure the lights are okay over here. And so that that was frustrating at the beginning, but they got used to it, and then I got used to it, and then John had this brilliant idea that we could just film things as they happen and then talk to them about it later. And I think that was a huge breakthrough for all of us in a way, like, because yeah. we we were able to then let like at the, at the beach, like let them take him to the beach, let them have their time without me interrupting with questions, without John you know, having to get in the middle of it. But then we went back the next day or a week later, I think it was the next day, and sat on their bed with them and basically asked them all the questions we wanted to ask at that day, but it didn't interrupt it, it didn't change it, but then we had those thoughts and actually it was better in a way because we had reflection, right? It wasn't just in the moment taking this really special intimate moment away from this family, it was, now that that's passed, tell us about that. You know, and I think to me that was a huge turning point in, in the documentary portion of this. It made me more comfortable. Um, you know, we like interviews. We wouldn't like the, you know, the, 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 you know, the documentary moments. But we do have to, we mic and usually that's at the beginning of the day and they forget it's there. But the, the ability for them to do two things. They, they get to reflect on what happened and that makes it richer in the edit. And they also uh, get to be a stakeholder. They, they get to be a part of the process. And that, gives, that, that empowers them as storytellers, as co-storytellers. Co um, and those two things really help me get over sort of uh, the same thing, like how is this gonna, you know, how's the juju on this? I, I don't know, how to, you know, how does the chemistry of hanging out with them and stuff improve? I think that that was, so I like that. And I, I've never, in, in 30 years of being a reporter, never had my subjects, if you wanna call them that, my, my characters in my story, be so involved. Be so interested. I mean, Maggie and Anthony really want to know about the process too, which was, you know, they were interviewing us about stuff too, which was really interesting because they they're they're very excited to be part of this process. It wasn't ever like, oh, please, please let us, you know. And they're good storytellers, right? And they're so reflexive. I mean, and they're so thoughtful. Smart and yeah, they're great storytellers. They're very aware of how every moment is hitting them and 
like even in talking to you guys, you could like you don't you don't really have to cut them open. <laughs> they're like no, it's, it's there. <laughs> they let us they let us in entirely, which I mean I couldn't be more grateful for that. I know Lane's hoping for a really happy ending. That's that's the hope. I'm still hoping. <laughs> I Everybody's still hoping. So what? Um, I mean, that's this has been an emotional journey for you guys too. So what? Are you prepared for that? Were you prepared for that? If it went, if it didn't go well, how much I mean, did you I try to prepare? From, from the beginning, my my worry wasn't it was he going to get the shot. My worry was what's going to happen when he gets the shot. I I never saw a possibility of him not getting it because he was the first kid in the whole world registered for this clinical trial. You know, we went with him probably half a dozen times to Gainesville to get all of these checkups and tests and you know, mark off the next exam and yes, 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 and then he, he would get sick and then he would get better and he would get sick and he would get better. I, I never thought that, that he might not get a shot. I was more worried what would happen when he did get the shot. How about you? I, I was always kind of worried that he wouldn't get the shot, but that's, I, I, I'm a pessimist. You see Sometimes. black helicopters. I see, I see black helicopters. I always I kind of joke about that. The science is always just, my wife, uh, who was a health reporter for years, was like, okay, that's, an, you know, that's Nobel Prize science, and that does happen, but you have to be ready if it doesn't. I mean, it had so much potential and, and things like that, um, that, yeah, I, I always think I, I, you're not let your mind go there. Yeah. yeah. She, she said earlier we're peanut butter and jelly. I said she's jelly. She's sweet. I'm peanut butter. I stick around. <laughs> kind of gooey. And, yeah. You know. So you're not. So we balance each other out a little bit. You're not thinking about it at all. You're not anticipating until, of course, he starts ending up in the hospital, and then you're you're worried that yeah, that's I mean, going south. The weird. I think the weird and a weird thing for me about being so embedded in their lives for so long is it almost becomes normal. Like the first few times we were there, I was like terrified to touch Lincoln or terrified to get too close to Lincoln or, you know, that something he was going to break and fall apart. And then it just kind of became like, oh, they got this, you know, okay, suction him, okay, turn him over, okay, change the ventilator settings. Like everything that happened, they, they could fix, you know, so it kind of got to be like, this is normal and, and not scary anymore. So when he went in the hospital the first time, I think that was the first time I was like, oh my God, yeah, he's, he's got a terminal disease. He's not supposed to have lived even this long. It's a miracle he's three, you know? Um, so th yeah, and then you kind of kind of get on board their emotional roller coaster too and realize like how well they've been holding on through the rest of this time, you know? Um, but I, I think another really frustrating part of this for, for me, I don't know about you, but like we, we knew stuff that was going on with this clinical trial that we weren't supposed to know. And, and as a reporter, that's a really strange place to be in. You know, we, we made a vow to them and to the company that was doing this um, clinical trial from the beginning. We didn't want to do anything to screw it up. You know, and if you, if you let out things through confidentiality, the FDA can come in and shut the whole thing down. And neither one of us wanted any of that on our heads. You know, that's the last thing we wanted to do. But it was hard to learn these things that, that the clinical trial and the University of Florida were putting Maggie and Anthony through that didn't seem right at all and, and not know what to do with that, you know, reporting-wise. And what's, what's confirmable and what's not. None, not, none of it was ever, uh, you know, you could see the effects of things and people's opinions on what was going on and, and, and people thought this was what was happening behind the scenes. But, you know, one of the 
one of the things is, is these, this family was left in the dark about so many things that they were left to try to piece things together. You know, and sometimes they piece them together in, in ways that would make sense, but that it's not confirmable truth. It's, it's just, um, and that, that was a frustration for them and for us through the whole thing. Um, the, the lack of um, opacity or the lack of transparency. Transparency. Yeah, the lack of transparency with the families that were in the trial. Uh, and I don't know how much of that is necessary and how much of that isn't. Um, so talk about your fellowship. You went away in the middle of this. I did. I went to a uh, Knight Wallace Journalism Fellowship at the University of Michigan, which was an amazing experience. And while I was there, I took uh, screenwriting and the anthropology of narrative, you know, uh, classes on doing ethnography, which is really what we're doing, that kind of long-term commitment. Um, and all of that coming back um, really, I, I think, set me up to, to, be, to edit very differently and to, re and to interact with the family differently. Um, the negative on that is I missed so much. Um, in some ways, in some ways I didn't. In some ways it was a lot of hurry up and wait. And so um, Talk the, 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 the personal enrichment and the professional enrichment translated directly to finishing the, the, the project, but missing so much was, uh, was difficult. Get into some of those specifics, like how did it change the way you looked at the story or dealt with them, or I mean, would you just get more in your head? No. <laughs> um, specifically, I, I took, and it was fiction screenwriting, so I took two semesters of screenwriting. Uh, while I was taking uh, classes uh, on anthrop in anthropology, because I'm about to get a degree in anthropology, um, about uh, writing ethnography and, and things like that. So those two things coming together really informed the story arc. I mean, like what you put on a whiteboard that's going to take them from point A to point B in a way that is um, responsible and storytelling. And um, you know, I, I learned that. Storytelling is, is a mix, mix of fact and emotion, and that you have to be careful pulling those levers um, uh, and pull them in a way that, and that goes back to this, like, am I worthy of the story? There is so much emotion and so much happened that I, I got a lot of help in very practical ways of being able to order that onto the end of video timeline that I didn't have before I, before I was there. Um, and I got excited about a lot of the, the uh, the things that I learned. So it's not a nickel question. It's, it was a whole, it was 10 months of, uh, so, but that's, that's my best nickel answer, I guess. They were really happy when he came back. Yeah. <laughs> you were too. I was too, no, I was really happy. It was like, oh, come back before something, before we have an ending. Yeah. It was good timing. It was hard though, I bet, like not to have him there. Oh, it was really hard. I mean, thank goodness for Facebook, because you kept up yeah. with them on Facebook, and, and they kept up with what you guys were doing on Facebook, you know, so it wasn't like you pieced out for 10 months, you know. But it, they, they asked about you every single time I went, you know. So even with that break, it's a long time to be working together on one story. So you talked about some of the frustrations of the video. What did you guys, what were the ebbs and flows of working on this together? Yeah, we've done a lot of stories where we embed in weird yeah. other people's lives together. If I'm, I mean, I feel like we're totally comfortable, like yeah, it gets, with each other. Like yeah, there's a little, you know, it's family-ish, and so you know, there's a, there's days, and then but nothing a beer won't cure. I think. Right. <laughs> I think 
you know, work it out. Like, I think we're real honest with each other about, you know, what up if something was, and, and we learn from that. I mean, it, it, those, those between chasing drug addicts and chasing the ball and chasing ghosts. Ghosts, yeah. And, <laughs> and then this long-term project, we've, we've, you know, one friction point at a time sort of worked through stuff, and, and we're real honest. And, and the drive to see them is maybe a little over an hour each way, so we have a lot of time in the car, which is nice to talk about you know, what we're going to get when we get there, or what we're looking for, and then processing stuff on the way home, and sort of having that buffer coming and going to, to make sense of what we've seen or reported. Right. Well, there's been a lot of that. There's been, you know, after an intense interview or an intense day, we both get in the car, and we, it's, it's, I don't even know what to make of that, you know? Some days, even that hour is not enough because you guys come back and you're like, "Oh, absolutely, yeah, no," absolutely. or you can't fall asleep for three or four hours after you, you know, late at night. It's like yeah. you've just been through so much and it's hard to make sense of it all. Plus, it makes—I don't know about you—it makes me feel so guilty. It makes me feel so guilty about having any complaint whatsoever in my life because you see what these people go through day in and day out and how much joy they still bring to each other and their child. And it's like, all right, I got nothing. You know, it's just really—it's—it's. It's, it's sobering in, in how much it makes you reevaluate your own situation, I think. When they talk about that directly, that they hear either on Facebook or from a friend, like, oh, my kid took out markers and marked all over the wall, and, you know, my boss is mad at me, and this is like, we would kill for ordinary problems, <laughs> you know? Um, ordinary problems would be great. Um, we've talked a little bit about this, but the, the challenge of writing about a, a med medical malady you know, which is like, almost feels like a cliche in journalism now, you know, whatever the disease is, right? And um, how do you do, what did you do, how do you feel like you did to break this apart from that, you know, just kind of your standard, oh, here's the story that we all tell over and over again. Sometimes it's cancer, sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that. I think it's character driven. Um, I think, you know, Disney's done the same movie over and over again for, you know, um, but it's, a, it's, these people are not the same story. And these people, and the science is, you know, but um, right. in, when I felt that, I've, I've fallen back on that it's, that it's character driven, that, that it's Maggie, Anthony, and Lincoln that make a difference. And I think they do. Yeah, I think I, at least in my initial drafts, I erred more on the side of trying to make him seem normal. You know, because I so much wanted the readers to see, like, there's this little guy in there that's amazing, and he's just like your little guy, except he can't move, you know? And I, so I think rather than writing about his medical problems, I focused on what he could do. And I think in the editing process, it became more important to say, oh, no, this is how hard it is, you know, just to get him up and going in the morning, like, to explain that process. Um, that they go through every single day, you know, rather than like, hey, he read one fish, two fish, you know. What do you think? What, do you, what else, you guys, what else have we not covered? That Does it feel like, oh, wait, we missed a point that was really important to make about the story or about the journey or about Maggie and Anthony? I feel like we've covered I think, all. I think one thing we still were talking about even when we were at the hospital the other day was, how do you get inside of Lincoln's head? You know what I mean? Like, you have a seven-year-old. I had little guys who were really, really talkative and could tell you everything, you know, and Lincoln has got a lot to say in there, but you can't interview him. You know what I mean? So I, 
to me, that's the one thing that I, I, I wish I had more of an ability to explain what was going on in his head, you know? Because all you can get is Maggie and Anthony sort of translating what he, I, I, he speaks sign language, but we can't understand that either. Like, mm -hmm. it's kind of his own adapted version of sign language. So, I don't know, to, to me, that's a missing piece that I, I wish we could plumb a little bit deeper. We've captured his actions. We can watch yeah. him, yeah, and, and, and you can certainly see a lot in his face, even though we can't really even move his eyes, you can see emotions in that little guy, and um, yeah. Yeah, it was challenging. There was, there was you know, one point, I think, day three edit, that is, is all about, okay, bring Lincoln to life. And once you concentrate on it, it's easy, but it's not. There was this great documentary, uh, Life According to Sam, that's about a child who who ages quickly and a parent's looking for a cure and things like that. And, you know, they had this advantage of Sam was this great mobile character, you know, and Lincoln, Lincoln isn't. But it doesn't take that much to just, if you just pay, you know, you just got to watch and there, there it comes. Um, but it doesn't, you know, he doesn't move, so. What do we do first? Okay. We light, light the candles. The greatest part of this journey for me has been the power of love and the power of will and that those things are medicinal and they work. Baruch Atad Anai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kirishanu B'mitzvotav Vitzivanu Lehadlik Ner Shel Shabbat Shabbat Shalom, good job. I think when we started reporting with them they really didn't have a faith. They, they, you know, Maggie had not grown up going to church. Anthony, his, his mom had converted from Judaism, and, and, but he wasn't part of a temple, and so that wasn't part of anything for them at the beginning. And I think as, as, they, um, as they needed something to shore them up more and more, they needed something to hold on to or to ground them, I, I think that's when they started reaching out. One of Maggie's friends um, said, you should talk to my rabbi. And then Anthony kind of had this whole, Epiphany of his grandparents helping to start this temple, and he had a place that, that, that he did belong, right? And they, they went back and met with the rabbi, and uh, they, you know, they couldn't really go to services or worship in a way with a congregation, but they found their own um, peace, I guess is the way to say it, where mm -hmm. they would start doing Shabbat services and lighting a candle with Lincoln and saying prayers and having just a little bit of a ritual, you know, every Friday night um, that brought them some peace. Well, in some way, uh, this emerged, I don't, I don't know when it happened, but uh, Maggie talks specifically about she's got a covenant with God that, um, so she's, she's developed uh, a spiritual relationship in relation to Lincoln and the science um, that is in her daily life. Like, yeah, they had an interesting conversation around a dinner table one night where, you know, Maggie's aunt was saying, you know, God didn't break these babies, but God had the ability to fix them. So she was mad at God. And Maggie and Anthony were like, no, but God also made these scientists who have the ability to fix him now. So God maybe had a hand in it through the science. You know, I think that's kind of how they came to integrate those two pieces, you know. Anthony gets real deep talking about God and science. Like, oh, yeah. Telling his, his everybody is a cell. Remember that analogy? Yeah, we were eating pizza and, and he was talking about Jamie getting the shot and Lincoln not getting the shot and, and coming to grips with that. And 
he, he said, it's not like God pays attention to every cell. We're a cell, but we're all using the same energy. So we had the same energy in the body, Jamie, us, and Lincoln. And so it's, it's that energy that comes from God that was, you know, benefited Jamie. Not, but it was just this amazing sort of, yeah, you, you can tell that he had processed the science and his situation through a faith and come to these conclusions that had me thinking on the way out, you know, thinking like, yeah. You know, and it, it was, uh, I don't, and, and it goes back to those, where are the adjectives to describe uh, Anthony and Maggie? I, you know, that is both soulful and uh, thoughtful and kind of genius. I mean, it's, it's, it's all, you know, they, they bring these, um, and through, through the difficulties with Lincoln, these elements of their character have only gotten stronger. And I think it wouldn't be hard for the situation they, they're in to break marriages and break people. You know, and they've come very, there's been moments, but holistically, they come up with something like that, <laughs> you know, that makes you sort of, like, I, I don't know if you would have thoughts like that if you, if you hadn't been a special needs parent uh, and worked through um, the emotional hell in, in very cerebral, emotional and spiritual ways. And then so he's done that, and then he'll just, like, come up with something that's, that's really amazing. Uh, and enriching to, to our lives, you know. They, and they use prayer in very different ways. Like Maggie prays specifically about Lincoln for Lincoln. Don't die. Don't let him die. Don't take him away. God, you can't do this to me. You know, she, she, her prayers are very specific and desperate. And Anthony said he only prayers, prays the prayers of his ancestors. He recites the Hebrew prayers that have been recited for thousands of years. He doesn't pray specifically for their situation. He prays for God to take care of humanity and the world and the people and give them strength you know like that that kind of a prayer which i think is so indicative of their personality that was in the same know? conversation he doesn't pray for the cell he plays prays for the health of the whole body and by that since you're one cell in that body lincoln's one cell in that body jamie's one cell in that body everything's healthier so he like and he believes that and that's a beautiful thing to believe and they both Anthony talks about bandwidth. You know, he's an IT guy and talks about how you could you can only take so much and then they can't Maggie couldn't go to like a bridal shower because she couldn't stand to see all these happy giggly girls or even have to get dressed up and put on heels. You know, but but yet they find this ability to give to other people so much, you know. I mean Anthony will sit on the phone for three hours with another parent of a kid with the same disease to help them fix their ventilator. You know, Maggie went to the hospital to be with a little boy who had the same disease who was dying alone because his parents had abandoned him in the NICU. You know, so they they, they somehow keep dipping into this unending well of of their own goodness to give to other people too, which is just mind blowing to me, you know. Their own life is so hard, and yet they, they take on other people's troubles and emotional needs and stuff, too. Let's just go back for a second to, like, so we were talking about the, the med medical malady story, and you were talking about um, being character-driven. And I, we've had this conversation a lot. It's like, it's not really Lincoln's story as much as it is Maggie and Anthony's. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I just want to make sure we've captured how remarkable these two people are, too allow all of this access and this journey and and really you guys every time i think you come away really impressed by how they handle the whole roller coaster um and how much it really is uh, i mean you started with like this is a crazy science story oh my god they might solve this riddle but really it's 
this this human story about these two people and what they've been through. Like, mm -hmm. it's it, it is what sets it apart, right? Absolutely. If you feel like that's it's the two of them. Yeah, I mean when, and Lincoln. I mean, the yeah. Lincoln is is like I said, he's he's not uh, a character who you know gets up and does a song and dance for you because of his special need, but. Um, his strength is just amazing. I mean, the, the day we were in the hospital and he, he you know, in a mat, in, in the, the, you know, the, the one that, that's actually in the documentary, he, he came in, he's like blue and he'd been breathing only on one side of a damaged lung and, you know, and then they sort of get him going and, and he's just, he's just, he's up. He's, and he's back and he's like literally his color changes and like a little warrior man's back, you know. Um, he's a, well, and we watched him become concerned about Maggie. You know, you, we watch yeah. this little two-year-old grow into almost five-year-old who can tell when his mommy's crying and gets upset and tries to joke with her or do a little trick with her or make her laugh or smile because he's so emotionally connected to her now. I mean, I think that was a huge evolution to watch Lincoln worrying about Maggie instead of just Maggie worrying about They Lincoln. talked about that because of his situation. He, it, he, sits and, and watches more than, than being active, like you were talking about your kids. Um, so he has this emotional intelligence about people that he knows to cheer Maggie up and to be rowdy with dad. And he, so he has these, you know, uh, a, a level of emotional intelligence when you just stop and watch it that's, that's pretty cool. He's very much their son. Yeah. Yeah. He totally is. Yeah. Okay, if you have a question for Lane or John, or you want to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. And join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next episode. This podcast was produced by Monica Herndon. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.